Praise the Lord, everybody. Wow. You guys have an absolutely gem of a pastor. Amen. And I mean that. Um, people, I, they don't, he doesn't have to treat me well. I'll be here anyways, but he treats me very well. He makes me feel like I don't want to leave that house in a week and a half. Hey, it's, it's so much to try to take in that level of hospitality, and truly, I, I appreciate it, and we thank you for it. And I, I thank all of you for being here this evening and allowing my wife and I to be here to share our burden with you and um, whatever else the Lord's going to do this evening. So, um, but you guys have a nice big clock there, so I don't need my phone. <laughs> I, like to, I like to preach, and that can be the scariest words for some people, because when a preacher likes to preach, they can preach for a long time. And I'm going to try not to do that. Even though it's bright outside, I know it is getting later in the evening. So I'll try to be conscious of that. And, but don't let me get ahead of myself. I'm trying to make sure I say thank you to all the right people. I wish each and every one of you I could shake your hand and, and tell you how much I appreciate you being here. But I would like to also give honor to my wife as she comes forward she comes forward, all the way forward. <laughs> this, this, is, this, is, um, this is the burden right here, as the pastor was saying, yes, this, this helped to uh, encourage me to stay in Japan. This is Chihaya Craig, so let's bow, deep bow, Japanese, yes, okay, that's as respectful as it gets, thank you, Chihaya, um, thank you. If it wasn't for her, there's no way I could be doing this right now, truly. She does all the things I don't like, like recording and numbers and logging in miles. Uh, just like, let me drive, let me preach, and you can do the rest. And she's doing it, and she's doing a good job. So again, well, thank you all again for having me here. Um, I can't say it enough. I know that it's the beginning of our deputation. I might be rough around the edges, but I'm okay with that. And my heart today is, is not only for you guys to be able to receive a burden for Japan, but with the immense help of God that you guys can re-catch a burden for where you're living. Amen? So before I go any further, I just ask that all of you pray with me and for me, because what God's put in my heart, he wants to share with this church. And I'm not going to try to filter it with um, eloquent speech. I'm not going to try to filter it with, um, I, I don't know all the apostolic lingo. Thank you. I don't know all that stuff. So you're just going to get it from the raw source. I'm going to try not to interfere with what God's saying to me to try to um, make you feel better of me. Amen? So, but I need your help because I'm very imperfect and I need God's help, and I'm nervous, okay? So pray for me that I can be a blessing to y'all. Amen? Jesus, 
I thank you so much for this evening. I know I come here to do a missionary service, but God, I believe everywhere we step is a mission. So I'm asking you, Jesus, with the authority and the power of the word of God, speak through me, Jesus, to help to uh, motivate and to help the, the body of Christ to see the desire for this end time harvest, to help them to feel the heartbeat that you have every day for the lost Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you're going to do that you've already done in this service, God, that your perfect will go forth this evening. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You know there's something very sweet about this church, truly. And I'm not one to try to flatter people. I won't say if it's not true. But there's such a sweet presence of God here. It's wonderful. I kind of want to lay on the carpet and just become a part of it. It's nice here. That's, that's, that's from prayer. That's from fasting. That's from people that are dedicated and they're faithful and they're consecrated to the things of God. It manifests. It's not hard to feel the presence of God here because he's always here. So I applaud all of you and I thank you all for putting in that hard work of praying and, and doing the things that God would have us to do. It's real. Y'all are blessed. This is a great church. Amen. Um, so anyways, let's go to uh, Matthew, and we're going to be in chapter 6. And we're going to be verse 19 through 21. So it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, when neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen. So this is um, it's a very pretty cut and dry. Where your heart's at is where your treasures are. And I know as people, we, we, we wonder, well, how do I get these treasures? We're very sidetracked with the life that we're living in that we can grab onto, that we can feel. But all these things, they're all going to pass away at some time. So for us, as the men and women of God, we have a, a choice what, what is our investment going to go to? Is it going to go to a new car? Is it going to be new clothes? I don't think those things are bad. But the, the investment that never runs out, the investment that continues to compound for the rest of eternity is in heaven. We, we do that through every good work that we do for God. When you go up to the person on the street that you see that they look heartbroken or they, they look sad or they have a low countenance and you think to yourself, maybe, just maybe, I can bless them that they can come to know Christ the way I do. That little bitty action stored up in heaven for eternity. Every time you come back into this church building and you say, I'm going to make sure that I, I do my part in praying to see our community reached. I'm going to be here when no one else is here or I'm going to be praying at home when no one is watching me. Investments in heaven. Every time that you do that, you're storing up treasures in heaven. And not only do those things affect you in heaven, but they are a blessing to what God is trying to do right now in the physical. Reaching to the lost souls. 
These are, the, these are the things that God does through us, and that's how we can store up treasures in heaven. It's, and it's never going to be touched. No, one, no devil, no person, no obstacle, no situation can touch what God is storing up for you in heaven. It's for eternity. And now's our time to invest in what God is doing. So it's an inheritance that's eternal. And we see truly if we're hungry for the things of God through the actions that we take. And that's simple. Are you guys okay if I take off my jacket? I'm, my, 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 my body's just getting bigger and my jacket is staying small. Yes, Japan has a little bit lighter food. So, oh, Lord, help me. I got lots of, I still got a year and a half of eating American yummies and driving. So, maybe help, pray for me for next time you'd see me. I'm close to the same size. Amen? So, we know our, what you're investing in through where your heart's at. I will give an example of my, my hobby uh, in, in Miyako, where I'm from, in Japan. I, I have three spear guns because I invest a lot of my time, that, my, my personal time, in the ocean. So I, I buy spear guns. I buy floats. I buy titanium knives that won't rust. I buy cordage that doesn't get tangled around me when I'm swimming. So people could see, hmm. His actions, his time, his talent, he's investing a lot into ocean work. Yes, because I, I used to go spearfishing to feed myself until I met my wife, who was kind of a, a sugar mama, if you will. She took good care of me. So, but you could see my investment in where my, my time and my, productive, my productivity was aimed at. So we can see where our investment's at. And look, I'm not telling you to look at each other and be like, well, this lady here is clearly investing in herself. Don't go pointing at other people and, and try to question what's their investment in. Look in your own heart. What, what am I investing in, Lord? Am I putting my time in the right place? Am I giving enough of myself to your kingdom? This is between you and God. And no one else is going to have their hands on your investment. It's between you and God, what you decide to do with your time. It's what you decide to do with your talents, your efforts, and your finances. That's all up to you and God. Yeah. Don't worry about the person to your left or right, what they're doing. The, the person that only gives $10, maybe that's, that's a huge investment for them. Someone that's giving, you know, 20 hours a week, maybe they're able to do that because circumstances give them a little bit more extra time. Don't worry about it. Just between you and God. You know if you're giving your best. That's what God looks for. Are you giving your best? Amen? And I, you know, I'm probably more nervous in this church than I'll be in a lot because, not to be rude or anything, but I see a lot more elders. That's good. That's probably why it's such a sweet presence of the Lord here. But it makes me more nervous. <laughs> I'm talking to people that are, some of y'all, maybe twice my age, maybe two and a half my age. Who am I to tell you how to invest? Right? All I'm doing is my best to, to speak what God puts in my heart. Amen. So I'm not here to, to sound like a, a young guy that knows it all. 
I'm just here to try to do my best to be obedient to God. But it's between you and God where your investment's at. And it's never too late to invest in the things of God. It's never too late to say, you know what, God, if you still got me here, you still, you have me healthy, or I just got into the church, I've been in the church for 20, 30, 40 years, I'm still breathing, I still got time to invest in the kingdom of God that will for eternity, you'll have a reward. That's amazing. But there's things that God is about. We have to be about the Father's business. God doesn't want us to squander our time or um, to look for other things that don't matter as much. And before I say anything else, it's the most important thing. The most important thing beyond missions, beyond any giving, any finances, any of that stuff at all. Before any of this is good, you've got to have relationship with Jesus. Without that, nothing else matters. I don't want to give a million dollars and go to hell. Because I don't have a relationship with Christ. I don't want to go out and do 400 food drives so people look at me and be like, wow, he was such a kind-hearted person, and go to hell. Because it comes between you and God. Is the relationship there first? That's the most important thing. Make sure you have relationship with Jesus outside of church buildings. Outside of public events, outside of the public eye, relationship between you and Jesus is the greatest and most influential investment you can ever make. And it is pertinent. I think that's the right word. It is, you cannot replace it for anything else. Relationship with Christ is the most important thing that you can ever strive for in this life. And after relationship with Jesus, the next most important thing will fall down the pipeline, and that's souls. Look, we will never, ever have a desire to reach souls without the relationship with Christ first. You won't. And if you right now are struggling to have a burden for souls, I am not your inspector. Inspect yourself. You might be struggling in your relationship with Christ because there is a, a, a natural byproduct of spending time with God is a desire to reach hurting people. We're going to jump back a second in the word Christ or Christ-like. That's what Christian is, to be like Christ. His whole ministry on this earth was to go and set the captives free to heal the broken, to lift up the hurting. That was Jesus in a nutshell. And to die for the sins of all of us. That's Christian. Thank God we don't have to go die on a cross. We just have to die to ourselves so that we can be in his presence that when we go into the streets, we go to our workplace, we have the anointing of Christ in our life. We have the pull of love, the compassion that compels us to reach those around us. That's our greatest task beside being in relationship with Jesus. You put Jesus first, everything always falls into place. Reaching souls isn't a task anymore whenever you're in right relationship with Jesus. It's at that moment that reaching souls is a joy. It's at that moment that reaching souls is a privilege 
that we have walking on this earth, that I get to go and, and pull these hurting people out of the fire. But it will never start until you have that relationship with Christ again, or you start to rekindle it, or however, wherever you're at. Look, you could be the, the greatest minister in the world, and there's still more that you can grow in your relationship with God. You can be in the church for 10 days. You can be in the church for 10 years or 50 years. You've never hit the pinnacle. You've never hit a point where you can say, you know what, God, you get to go second now because I've had enough of you that I know how to navigate you better than you now. Absolutely not. And the more we desire him, the souls will come into place. You're your desire, the thing that your eye will desire, is the same things that the eyes of Jesus desired. He was drawn to the broken. He was drawn to the hurting. His eyes did not deceive him. He seen what was before him, and he would go to them. The multitudes, he would be moved, it says in the Bible, many, many times. He was moved with what? Compassion. Compassion is a, it's a catalyst for us as men and women of God to get out of our comfort zone to touch the hurting. Jesus left his comfort zone many, many times to touch the hurting. But we've got to get the relationship with Jesus. And when we do that, we'll be about his business. And it doesn't feel like business. It doesn't feel like work. It's a joy. It's a privilege. I don't know about y'all, but when I've single-handedly or not single-handedly, erase that completely. When God used me as a vessel, and I was the, the main connection between myself and another person, and I seen that person come to know Jesus through baptism in his name and being filled with his spirit, there is no greater feeling. There is no greater reward. No one could give me a million dollars and say, I'll give you a million dollars to undo the relationship or the year that you spent on that person. Absolutely not. Because I know because of the efforts that God had me going towards, that person is in eternity, will go to heaven. That's powerful. That's wonderful. That's huge. There's nothing greater than that. And we've got to grab a hold of that again. Sometimes, though, we forget the gravity of what we're here on this earth for. Think if you were no longer in church. Think if you were the broken person on the side of the street. Think if you were the person addicted to drugs. And the apostolic people just walked past you and said nothing to you. That's heavy. It's so heavy. We're all guilty of it. And I can say these things because I'll be gone tomorrow. <laughs> and no one can hate me for it. I don't know any of you. I would like to know many of you, but I don't, it's not in the life that God has given me. But I know the words I'm saying is what God has put in my heart to share with this wonderful congregation. But too many times, the United Pentecostal Church gets comfortable in church movement, in church tradition motion after motion, and we forget the heartbeat of Christ, and that's souls. And I'm not talking about just souls in Japan. I'll share my little video, 
And it's a good video. I'm not downgrading it at all. And I, I hope that you can catch that burden for that 127 million people that have never even heard the name of Jesus. But my desire is here tonight that, yes, I want you to partner with me in missions, but I want you to partner again with Jesus for the community that you live in, the workplace that you live in, the schoolhouse that you go to, the gas station that you go to, everywhere you plant your foot. Is there a soul that I can reach to? Is there someone that's needing the message of Jesus that's in my heart, the experiences I've had in my life to share with them to give them hope? That's my desire tonight, is that you're able to get a reinvigorated desire to share Jesus with your community. It's here. There's such a sweet presence of God here. And sometimes all that we need is a little redirection again. And I dare to say that. But God is coming back soon. The end time harvest is now. You have everything you need to reach this community greater than you've ever reached it before. I want you to evaluate yourself. How long's it been since you've brought a lost person a Bible study? How long's it been since you've brought someone through the steps of discipling them into the water of baptism? How long's it been since you said, Jesus, I'm going to go to my floor every night and I will intercede for this soul until I see them saved? How long has it been? It's not his responsibility alone. It's not an evangelist. It's not two or three people in the church. It's the body of Christ's purpose. It's our responsibility. So again, I say, just look at yourself. Don't, don't look at each other. And don't look at the one that does all the heavy lifting and be like, I need to do it their way. No. God's going to use you to do it your way. You have a specific design to reach the people around you the way God created you to do it. It's not going to be my way. Oh, praise God for that. I drive myself crazy. Sometimes I'm like, how, God, do you use me? But he does. God's looking for a willing, obedient vessel. That's all he needs. I'm going to say it again. God is looking for a willing and obedient vessel. That's all he needs. You don't have to be the top Bible quizzer in the state or the county. You don't have to know every single verse in the Bible. All you've got to be is willing and obedient. God will bring you to the right one. God will give you the right words to speak. God will show you how to reach into that broken family. You've just got to be willing. And I guarantee you this. When you submit yourself to God in that capacity, your life in Christ is going to be so fulfilling, so exciting again. It's wonderful when you say, you know what, God, I'm letting go of controlling everything about my life. I'm not going to worry about my self-image anymore. I'm not going to worry what they say to me when I present you to them. Because if you tell me to go, there's a reason for it. If God unctions you to speak to someone a word, speak the word. Trust the Holy Ghost isn't lying. The devil ain't going to tell you to go lay hands on people. He ain't. The devil's not going to go, go share your love with that person that's hurting. He's not going to. But the devil's the one on the other side saying, what are they going to think about you? What's that group of people going to think? How are you going to look? We've got to let our pride die. 
We're very close to entering into a pharisaical or however you would say that movement. I don't want to be fancy on the outside and dead on the inside. I don't want to wear the right tie, the right color shirt, but on the inside, there's nothing but me. We got to cut off some of us that Jesus can come out again. He's looking for that people, that called people that carry his name. Ambassadors of Christ. An ambassador goes into a foreign land to represent their country. You need to go out of your home into this broken world and represent your Christ. That's how the world's going to be saved. That's how the neighbors are going to come to know Jesus. We can't hide in the church anymore. We got to bring it on the outside. Look at yourselves. This is not me challenging you. I wish that right now you could just see a veil come between me and you could just hear the voice of God. It is not me telling you this. This is not, oh, by, by far, this is not in my notes. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through me to a people that are able and ready full of knowledge, full of truth, that when you make a decision, I'm going into my world, God will turn upside down. This is Newark and the surrounding towns and cities. It's here. There's so much apostolic faith. There's so much apostolic faithfulness as well. The devil hasn't stopped you this far. He ain't going to stop you when you step out in faith to say, we're turning it up. We don't care what the churches around us are doing. We don't care how bad the world's getting. We're going to be a brighter light today than we've ever been before. The harvest is here. The harvest is now. The souls are waiting. It's up to us to be willing and obedient. This is what God wants from us. I don't remember the scripture. I told you, I ain't a Bible scholar, y'all. I just heard God's voice. I said, yes, Lord. If you don't bring me, if I ain't got to go back to that old life, then I'm going to give you every, you know what? I'm just going to share a little bit of my testimony. I did not grow up in a tie. I grew up in some level of faith. I seen the gifts of the spirit work around me when I was very young. When I was in Wisconsin, I was, I don't know how I have these memories. Maybe God planted them there to carry me through some, some hard times in my life. I don't know. But I remember seeing people slain in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, laughing in the spirit, falling out in the Holy Ghost. And as a kid, I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. I'm looking for candy. That was my, my greatest motive in life was to find something sweet to eat. But I'll never forget seeing this and feeling the Holy Ghost moving in these churches. I don't know if they're a UPC. I don't know anything about it. But I know it was the Holy Ghost. Hop around church after church. When I'm 11 years old is when I first started doing drugs. Think back, 11. I was like a fat little face freckle baby. Doing smoke pot. And pot ran out. By the time I was 13, I was doing cocaine, drinking, throwing pills down my throat, anything I could get my hands on. Smoked meth, did acid, dropped ecstasy, puffed gasoline when I ran out of those things. I am a walking miracle, I guarantee you that. Only by the grace of God, and I had a mother that was praying for me. One night, I had all these different drugs in my system. I was on acid, eating pins. I don't know why I remember this list. Maybe so I can share my testimony. Acid, pins, cocaine, smoking pot, and drinking. Get in a car wreck. Tell my friend, we got to go back. My wallet disappeared. 
And it was Friday night. I just got paid. I had like 400 bucks. There's a cop. <laughs> this is how dumb I was. And he was. All of us in the car. <laughs> cop is sitting there with a red bumper in his hand. I am in a red Grand Prix that has no bumper on it. And I was like, hey, bro, they'll never notice. Just drive on through. It was a roadblock. We weren't driving through anything. Cop pulls his gun on us. Stop driving your car. I was like, Brad, just try to weave around him. No. We got stopped. I got pulled out of the car, yada, yada, yada. I went home, and it was 12 o'clock at night-ish. And I heard, I know none of you guys know who Tom Petty is, right? No, no one here. Only, only Court Chavis. You know, I'm just playing. And I'm like, Tom Petty's in the woods. And I am, I am in, I am not dressed in a suit and tie. I am only in cargo shorts and Birkenstock sandals and my hemp beads, rings, anklets, what have you. And I had long hair. I'm going to find Tom Petty. My dogs followed me. My mom calls me. She's like, I do not know what you're doing. I don't know what you're on. I know you're not just drinking, but please just come home. And I mean, this is in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. The forest isn't full of bunny foo-foos. There's like bobcats and stuff out there, coyotes and whatever have you. And my mom, I was like, man, but mom, Tom Petty's in the woods. And she's like, Tom Petty is not in the woods. I was convinced. I'm going to see Tom Petty. But I go home and I sit down on my couch and my mom's Bible was open, and I'm sitting there, and the words came off. I did not move my body. The words came off the Bible, and they rested in front of my face. And it said, it was Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory, or God's glorious standard. For all have sinned. And I realized, that's me. I'm a sinner. And I started to break down. Every wall that I had tried to put up between me and God started to break at that moment. And God started to speak to me. He said, if you don't change your life tonight, you will never enter into my kingdom. And I told God, if you get me out of this lifestyle, I will give everything back that I put into this lifestyle back into your kingdom. And God showed me, you keep stepping in the right direction, and I'll carry you to where you need to be. And then it went, hell broke loose in my life. That was one of the hardest things I ever went through. I had to give up every friend, every person that I used to know called me crazy. My brothers rejected me. My sister rejected me. Everything was, was stripped away from me. And I didn't just turn around and perfect. I dropped acid in church, and then I'd go home and cry, and then I'd go back and smoke weed, and then I'd go home and cry, and it was this long fight for my soul, and there was not an apostolic in sight. I'm doing this out of willpower, and what I knew the word told me, that was it, but I stuck true to what I was called to do, and God pulled me out. But I say this to let you know, there are people in your community right now waiting for someone to help them through that process, 
waiting for someone to be like, I'll hug you when you're hurting, waiting to give them a Bible study that shows them how you can overcome through Christ Jesus, waiting for someone to get out of themselves, to help a brother or sister out. God is waiting for us too, to start to take action. Look, guys, you don't have to speculate with some people. You know they've got problems. You know they've got past. You know that they have something going on. Reach to them. Let God use you. Be a willing vessel. And none of your past discounts you from your future. It doesn't matter where you were at before. When God saves you, he saves you and you become a part of the family. You become a part of the body of Christ. And nothing can overcome that. Don't look at what you used to be and, and discount yourself from a work for God. Look at what the devil tried to kill you with and say, I'm taking everything you use to destroy me and I'm bringing it back for God. I'm going to use it to glorify him. It's time that we wake up again as a body of Christ. And that's not just for this church. This is for all over America. This is for all over Japan. This is for every nation. Jesus is coming back soon. And we don't got time to be about just ourselves. We got to wake up. We got to reach to the hurting. There's low-hanging fruit. They're just waiting to be talked to. I tell this to people all the time. And I'm going to preach this every church I get to. If God gives me the ability to. It is. We will take time and say, God, this person doesn't want the truth. Let me tell you something. If you've been trying to shove Jesus down someone's throat for 15 to 20 years, step back and pray for them when God puts them on your heart. Yeah. Stop wasting your time. Doesn't matter if they're a family member. Doesn't matter if they're your, your loved one or this. If they are scoffing and they are throwing dirt on the things of God. Stop putting your pearls before the swine. I'm not saying that God doesn't love them. I'm not saying that they're not important. But you've got to get about the Father's business again. God, I give them to you. I trust you with them. I surrender them to you, God, because all of me ain't working. But I'm going to start to pray right now. Bring me someone that's hungry. Bring me someone that's ready. Bring me someone that's broken that wants to receive the truth. Send them to me, God. Send them to me. Whatever it takes, I'll go. You'll find somebody. That's what this community is waiting for. God will take care of them. I tell you this. I was telling pastor this. My sister, my twin sister, did all the drugs and all the stuff I did. And way, way more. Because she got in it at a later time. And the difference between when a guy does a bunch of drugs and a girl does a bunch of drugs. Is that when a girl does it, people take advantage of them. Girls get drugs for free for a reason. I'm not, I'm not articulate, guys. It's real. There's no reason to, like, beat around the bush. My sister has trauma. My sister had horrible things taking place in her life. She, I told her the other day, I don't know how you are still here. I don't know how you did not kill yourself. The stuff the darkness, the complete depravity that was in her life. My twin. My twin's got a special connection. When I left to join the Marine Corps, she was so heartbroken and she went even deeper. But I had to listen to God. I had to let go. 
But what I did, because I couldn't physically be here to try to pull her out, I said, you know what, God? Your spirit does not have restrictions. You aren't bound by, by borders. You are not bound by oceans. So I will do what I can do. And I will pray for her when you put her on my heart, God. Because I got to be about your business. I got all these Marines that need to hear about Jesus. I got all these Japanese people that need to hear about Jesus. I can't be worried about what's back home. Because guess what? God cares about my sister more than this entire church body combined. Amen? And he cares about your loved ones more than this entire church body combined and every other church body on this planet combined. The love of Jesus is deep and there's, there's, there's no measurement to his love for you. So I prayed for, I prayed for, I prayed for. 15 years later, I come home to deputize. The first week I'm back, I take her to United Pentecostal Church that didn't have the same presence here. Didn't. Not even close. And I am, I am not going to churches, to, and I don't have a secret tally like prayer level five. Worship one. Terrible worship. Pastor, No. That's not what I'm doing. I just go and be, and I am, I am somewhat intelligent. I have eyeballs and ears and senses, and I can, I, can, I can feel what's going on around me. Let me just tell you, I didn't feel like this was a spectacular church service going on that I took her to this church, and I was questioning God. Lord, are you sure you wanted me to bring her here? And at the exact same time, God, forgive me. You can do anything, and oh, I'm not supposed to, I'm not judging the Lord, but my sister needs the Holy Ghost. She did. And I told her, the day before you come to church with me, you'll get the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. And then you need deliverance from all these problems in your life. You got so many, so many breaches in your spirit from all the things, the trauma that's happened in your life. You need deliverance. But you need to start with the Holy Ghost. So she comes, and I tell her, you want to go to the front? At the telling you it was it's just like god are you sure the whole service and then out of nowhere it's almost like we gotta do it hey do an altar call it's like y'all need to go to the altar i was playing okay but like hey charity let's let's go to the altar you want to go pray and she looked at me like mm, you want to go to the altar because in my heart, I was like, God, I'm just not going to say anything. Just let her enjoy your presence. There is no presence. We've got to go to the altar. There's, there's no option. But you want to go? And she threw her teeth said, yes. Really? Let's go. We got down. We started to pray. I started to cry. She started to cry. The Holy Ghost started to move, regardless of how poopy the service was. Jesus, Jesus seen the hurting girl. Jesus knew the, the sincerity in her heart. You know what that did? Ladies from the church just came out of the woodworks. Must pray. Came the wife. Threw the baby off to someone else. My sister-in-law. Gotta pray for her. I'm weeping. My sister's weeping. And I was like, then I looked at her. Charity, hold on a second. Pause, pause. Jesus, forgive me. Do you want the Holy Ghost? I think it was the devil inside of her. <clears throat> Charity, do you want the Holy Ghost? Like, the third time was the charm. Charity, you, we want the Holy Ghost, right? You want the Holy Ghost? Yes. Okay. So, hey, let's just 
ask God to forgive us for everything. We know we've all had a sin. And then we're just going to tell God how much we love him. I have never in my life heard the most sincere repentance than what came from my sister. God, I just want to be clean. I just want to be holy. I just want to be like you. I don't want this dirty life anymore. I just want to be close to you. I just want to be like you. I want to be like you, Jesus. That's the sincere heart of a broken, hurting person that's all around us. And then I was like, okay, let's just tell Jesus how much we love him. I love you, Jesus. I thank you so much for this, this. And then it was about 10 seconds. Boom. Full on language. Fluent. Peaceful. Oh, and I'm just pulling my thumb. You, you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep praying. Let it, you know? Don't stop. And it just flowed out of her. 15 years of trusting God with my sister. Not 15 years of not sleeping. Not 15 years of gritting my teeth. Why not my kid? Why not my sister? None of that. 15 years of surrender to God, trusting that he is able. And when that right time came, I was a willing and an obedient vessel. And God spoke through me at the perfect time. And I thank God. I thank God that I was obedient. I thank God I didn't gauge the service. That I looked at the Spirit and said, you could do it, Jesus. And my sister, totally different totally different. I said, feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, Travis, it feels really good. And I was like, don't stop. And she's in an apostolic church right now. Amen. It's such a relief. That's my sister, my twin sister that I'm one minute older than. And I hold that over her head every chance I get. <laughs> but guys, the other alternative is eternity in hell. Eternity in hell. It's not to be taken lightly. If you were the broken person and you were destined to eternal separation from anything good, anything holy, anything pleasant, how much would you want the apostolics around you to pray for you? How much would you want them to go out of their way to touch your broken heart? Where have we got so cold as a church body as to forget the greatest purpose outside of relationship with him? And it it burdens my heart and it, it challenges me. Do we even have relationship with Christ anymore? Because if we did, we couldn't just sit by and watch hurting people walk by. There would be something to compel us. The compassion. The compassion of Christ. Where have we gone this is the business of the Father, to reach hurting people. And there are thousands of people all around you looking for someone, for someone to touch their heart. We have to make the individual decision 
I'll consecrate God. I'll give up 30 minutes of me time so I can start to pray for, for John. Or I'll give up 35 minutes of my time next week to pray for his sister now. Get back in the business of the things of God. It's rewarding. It's energetic. It's trying on your body. But the rewards are eternal. The reward of a soul has no value. Or how do you say that? It's invaluable. Are you willing to go? You, check your own heart. Think about it right now. God's going to start putting people in your mind. I could reach this one. I could reach that one. This one, that one, this one, that one. Pick one. Pray for them. See them saved. And then don't just throw them at the pastor's feet and be like, you got a fresh fish to take care of. Clean them too. To help them to be discipled. Help them to be rooted in the things of God. What you have in this church is so special. You have decades of Christian experience in these chairs. Don't take that to the grave with you. Find someone to invest all of that experience in. Find someone to pour out your heart into that they can become stronger in the things of God. Do y'all, are you guys okay if I take 10 or 15 more minutes? Is that fine? I, I'm conscious. I see 8 o'clock. If you cut me off now, I'll throw up my video and I'll stop. Video's three minutes and 44 seconds, I think. But if y'all give me another 10 minutes. Thank you. I was going to read out of 2nd Matthew. Or, no, 2nd. I I my notes are very confusing even to myself. Matthew 13, talking about the pearl. Talking about the field. And when the the person found something precious in the field. They sold everything they had to find that one precious thing. When I was going through this in my, my time and I was, I was preparing, not, not today, a few days ago, God showed me. What I did is I didn't sell everything. I gave everything I was. Because y'all the pearls of my eye. You're that precious thing. I gave everything I had unto death that, these, that you could be saved. That later you could help other people to know about me. Jesus gave it all that we could have freedom. God, many times we think, oh, God requires all of me. He wants all of you, but he doesn't require it. He requires you give your best. He requires you give him a little bit of something to work with. My little motto lately, because I see how much every time I come to an end of myself, that's when God steps in. Every single time. Every single time. I'll tell you what, when I walked up to this pulpit, God, I see my audience, a bunch of very veteran men and women of God. I have to step back and please Jesus stand in before me. Every time. You give your best, and God will do the rest. Every single time he will. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is never failing. There is no excuse for us to not reach the lost. That is our great commission. That is our purpose as a body of Christ. Gentlemen, ladies, we are living in the end times. 
If you don't believe that, you are an ostrich with your head so far into the sand. You don't want the truth. Maybe because you don't have relationship with God. Everything is on the brink of collapse in this world. Don't fear it. Embrace it. It's at this time the greatest things will ever take place. If the Christians, if the body of Christ could just stand up. If we could just recognize it. I'm not running from it, God. I'm running into it. And you're going to go into it with me. And I'm going to bring as many out of the fire as I can. It's my end time investment for the end time harvest. God will back you. Don't be afraid of the times. Embrace them. And trust that God is going to do greater things in these last days than has ever happened. He's pouring out his spirit right now all over this world. He wants to pour it out here, right in this town, in this city. But who will go? Who will obey? Who will let go of themselves to go beyond and see what God's going to do? If you're here and you're hearing my voice, you're able. There's somebody you can talk to. There's somebody you can give a Bible study to. You don't have to wear a tie. You don't have to wear black shoes. You just have to have a relationship with Jesus. That's it. Focus on that and trust him with everything else. And then, look, the way faith works is not God gives you everything you need and then you obey. That's not how it works. Never has it ever worked. If that was the case, God would have just dropped a boat on top of Noah. Here you go. Here's your gigantic boat that you're going to need. Now go get all the animals. Nope. That's not faith. Faith is you do first, and then I'll show up. You go out first trusting, and then I'm going to show up. You do what you got to do, then I will perform. That way you don't get any credit. That way you go to the end of yourself and God shows up and says, if it wasn't for me, how would this have turned out? The walls of Jericho did not fall. God didn't say, hey, I'm going to crush those walls of Jericho. They're going to sink into the sand. But after that, I require a sacrifice of seven marches with no trial, with no enemy hurling stones and, and throwing spears at you. No. You march first. You trust my provision. You trust my protection for you. You trust that I'm going to be there. And on that last day, after you're done doing something so stupid and foolish, I'm going to make the walls of Jericho just sink into the sand. What? God's ways are not our ways. And we've got to stop articulating everything that, well, I wouldn't do that, God. That's not how you're going to work. What? We can't tell God how he's going to work. We just listen and obey. There's no way God could reach that person. Huh? Y'all don't have to raise your hands, but we can all do it in our heart. We've all been guilty of that. There's no way. People looked at me. I'll tell you what. When I came back home after being out of the drug scene and everything for five, six years, I came home on boot leave. Or not boot leave. Just leave. I had a girl come up to me. I forgot who she even was. She's like, little Craig? That was like my druggie name because I had two older brothers. Little Craig. And I'm like, oh, hey, girl. And she's like, I just want to tell you something. And she was like so excited. I was like, what? Well, uh, um, and I told her up front. I was like, you know, I, honestly, I don't remember 
who you are. And I was like, we partied together or something? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. You know, my base is there. And she's like, you know what, though? Because you got out of that old lifestyle, it gave so many other people hope. That someone like you, if God could change your life, he could change anybody's life. It's kind of like, oh, well, thank you. Hearts. But I was one of those people that we would look at and be like, there's no way. There's no hope. What's the waste? What's the worth of giving any of our time to that kind of person? He's happy in his sinful life. No, I wasn't. I thought about death every single day. I was terrified in my own skin. Every day I would, I would see things and I would think of things and I would, I would try to convince myself that whenever I was about to die, I would ask Jesus to forgive me for my sins and I'd go to heaven. Little did I know how false that doctrine was. And that if I would have died that day, I would have went straight to hell for eternity. I thank God for his mercy that I can stand here today. Truly, truly. There's so many people just like me waiting. God can reach anybody. Stop taking the God equation out of the situations. Stop looking at yourself and saying, I am not able. No, you're not able, but he is. Make yourself available again. Make yourself willing and God will do the rest. Amen. And I would just challenge you guys, go read John 4, verse 34 through 38 on your own. That would be the rest of my, my um, message tonight. I'm not going to go through it because of time's sake. And I do care about you. I know you guys have busy days tomorrow. But if you would give me that three minutes and 44 seconds, is that fine? Because I do care about Japan. I really do. But I'm just, I, I am so captivated by God to try to encourage the body of Christ in America while I'm here. I might not ever be able to travel back to my home country. When Russia and all this stuff starts popping off, China's right next to Japan. I know the times we're living in. I am not putting my head in the sand. So I'm going to do my best to encourage my people. Get into the field. Get back into the labor. Get back into the things of God. Give your last hurrah for what Jesus is doing in this day. You are going to step into a field that I cannot step into. Every person here will walk and meet and intermingle with people that the rest of you will not have that opportunity with. It is up to you to talk to those people. They're not for other people to reach. They're for you to reach. Everywhere you put your foot is your field. Don't act like it's not. Let God use you. Stand up. Be great for the things of God. And I do ask you this. Please, if I might have, may I? We need partners and missions. I want to take this same spirit that is here right now to the Japanese people. There's no one else to do it. There's five missionaries or four missionaries for 126.5 million people. 126.5 million people living in a place the size of California with 80% of that being mountains. There's so many souls. A sea of souls. Multitudes of people that don't even know the name of Jesus. I need partners in missions. I have an, a, just beyond my mind budget for language school. 
I can't talk like this in Japanese. I have to raise project money. I have to raise PIMs. This is the road God put me on. I don't like talking about finances. I don't. I wish I could just step to the pulpit, preach, encourage everyone. Let's go out. I want to go do crusades with you. And then never talk about money. And it just in my account. But I can't. And the Bible says you have not because you ask not. I'm asking. My brothers and sisters, please. I'm not saying that you all don't have needs. You have needs. But I am challenging you to invest in the ministry that God has given me for the Japanese people. I'm going. I'm reaching. I'm going to bring in the lost. We're going to see it happen. Amen. In Jesus' name. I'm done talking.